My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 90. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. As I sit here on the third floor of my house in a room that used to be our attic, now it's a playroom for my grandkids. We've got all kinds of places to store their toys, and we even carpeted it. I mean, that's out of fashion now, right? Everybody puts down hardwood floors. No hardwood floors for me. But we needed carpet for wrestling matches and, you know, me playing the horsey with two grandkids on my back. It's a lot of fun. Plus, I like carpet. But as I look outside, this view is phenomenal. I can see uh, Big Bald and Little Bald down here in Greene County. They call Little Bald actually Viking Mountain but that's not what it is. Back in the 70s or probably late 60s is when it started. Somebody decided to put a ski resort on the top of this mountain and call it Viking Mountain. Well, the ski resort lasted about, I think, about eight years. Somebody lost a ton. They put the slope on the wrong side of the mountain, and it never could uh, actually build up any ice. And really, it doesn't get cold enough around here. I guess they don't have the technology like they do over in western North Carolina where there's Beach Mountain and Sugar Mountain, all these ski resorts. It didn't work. And plus, the road was horrible. So that probably had something to do with it as well. But I'm looking at the mountains and enjoying this view, except for the massive cell phone tower that's pretty much dead center in the middle of my view. It's technology interfering with nature, the natural world. But I guess that's over with um, as far as the natural world is concerned. It's, it's, technology has invaded us. It's invaded everything, right? It's invaded our cars to a large extent. And for a lot of folks, it's just something that they really don't appreciate and really don't want to pay for. And I get it. I mean, I had a customer buy a vehicle from me the other day, and it's a, a Nissan, uh, see, Nissan Frontier. And... They were in their mid-70s, and you know I'm going through all this stuff that this vehicle has, and it's just like, well, I don't need that. Well, I'll never use that. Well, I don't need that. What's Apple CarPlay anyway? You know, it's that kind of a conversation. But then you have the young folks. You know, we have, have somebody come in and buy a, a Frontier that's in their mid-20s, and it's all about technology. You know, it's can I connect? Does it have 4G LTE or 5G LTE? You know, will it drive itself? What about the safety features? You know, what about the horsepower and performance? You know, everybody has some different kind of agenda, right? And we have to adapt to that. That's our job in the car business. My dad told me a long time ago, you know, some people will be farmers and they'll come in to buy a truck and it won't matter to them at all whether it has body side moldings. That was a big deal back then. You know, what kind of radio it has in it. As long as they can listen to AM radio, they're fine. You know, they won't care about the fact that it has vinyl seats and a vinyl floorboard. Matter of fact, they prefer that because of how they use their truck. Well, that's not the way it is today. I mean, every truck that I sell is pretty much loaded. And most of the buyers want that stuff. But we do have to be sensitive in the car business to those people that don't need it, don't want it, and really don't want to pay for it. Now, unfortunately, the automakers have uh, gone into this mode where they're packaging things together. They're trying to simplify the process. Now, what this does for the manufacturer is that 
reduces their overall cost of manufacturing. The more different options that you have, then the more it costs the manufacturer. They have to have all this stuff available, all these different combinations. Now, the imports like Honda and Toyota in the early days figured out that let's just not give them as many choices. Let's have a few basic packages. You know, let's have a, a deluxe model, an LX model, and an EX model. For example, that, that was like the Honda Accord. And with the DX, there are no options. You could either get a, well, except the transmission. You could get a five-speed or you can get an automatic. You go to the LX, you can get a five-speed or an automatic, and if you want it, you can get a sunroof. An EX would have it all, leather and everything. But it only came one way. Now, you could change the colors, but you couldn't change the options. When you compare that to Chevrolet, for example, when they were selling about the same time, probably was selling the Chevy Celebrity. Well, you know, you could get it with a vinyl top, without a vinyl top, a two-door, a four-door. You could get, uh, well, of course, automatic transmission. You get a four-cylinder, a V6, different radio combinations. You could get an AM, an AM-FM, an AM-FM cassette. You see what I'm, where I'm going here. Too many options. And it's one of the main reasons that the domestics could not compete. Could not compete in price. At the time, they couldn't compete in quality either. And it made a big difference. Well, fast forward to today, it's become a, a level playing field as far as quality is concerned. And most of the companies that are out there selling products, I don't care if you're talking about Kia or Hyundai or Ford or GM or any of them, they are all trying to simplify their offerings, yet offer the technology that, that people are clamoring for. And it has drastically driven up the cost of vehicles. So now they're looking for ways to, to cut costs. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons they want to go to electric vehicles. They feel, or the manufacturers feel, that they can manufacture electric vehicles at a lower cost. You know, just think about it. If you put an electric motor in an electric vehicle, because of all the programming that's involved, you can have the same electric motor in everything, and you can have the same battery pack and everything. But because of the software that drives everything, you can sell a vehicle to somebody and it can have 300 horsepower or they can dial it up a little bit and charge more without any additional cost and make it have 400 horsepower. And because they don't have to install an internal combustion engine with all its moving parts, they can install all types of features on the car but not activate them unless the customer pays extra for it. And some of that stuff like old heated seats, adaptive cruise control, uh, satellite navigation. The car can actually be equipped with those things. But in order to activate them, you have to pay a subscription fee. That's right. So you're going to have to subscribe to your heated seats. Don't laugh. It's coming. And the manufacturers think they have a huge windfall of profitability here because it doesn't cost them anything. It, yeah, it costs them money to put the feature on the vehicle, but to turn it on and turn it off, that's free. They can do that over the, the um, Wi-Fi and charge you a subscription fee, just like OnStar or Sirius Satellite Radio or any of those kind of things. Like You might have to pay an extra $4 or $10 a month, who knows, for your heated seats. Isn't that crazy? But that's what they're going to do. So 
I could get rid of my cell phone, never use one again, and that cell phone tower would still be out there right in the middle of my view, and there's nothing I can do about it. Some things are just going to be there, and we have to decide whether we are willing to pay for them or not. So that's, that's life in the auto business in, in the next 10 to 50 years. I guess for a large part of that, I won't even be here. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, in this episode, one of the things I want to talk about are vehicle history reports. Now, you go to a lot of dealerships, and they will have a Carfax, maybe a sticker or something like that, and they may say Carfax certified. What the heck does that mean? Well, it means that they've pulled a Carfax, and it shows a clean history, meaning that it's not a salvage vehicle. Uh, it's probably not a repossessed. It's not been you know sold to somebody and then repossessed, then resold. Uh, it's not been in a, an accident or at least a major accident. You know, some of them have different standards. We use a program called AutoCheck, and it does the same thing as Carfax. It's done through Experian, which is one of the major credit bureaus that are out there. But it is very handy to be able to check the history of a car. Like I had a, uh, one of my listeners asked me to check out a vehicle the other day. And uh, I just needed the VIN number, and I went in there, and I saw that it, it had had an accident. And it said that it was a minor accident. Well, what's a minor accident? Well, it was hit on the right front. Now, depending on how hard it was hit, you know, that could make a big difference. I mean, did it require frame repairs? You know, what did they have to replace on the vehicle? It did not have or did not show that it had any airbag deployment. Now, that's something that if I see that the airbags have deployed in a vehicle, I'm not buying that car. And I'm not recommending to any of my listeners to buy a car that's had airbag deployment. Now, unfortunately, you could run into this uh, somebody and, you know, from behind, you could actually hit the car in front of you. If you hit them hard enough, it could deploy the airbags. Even though it didn't do really any structural damage to the vehicle, but the airbags were deployed and they had to be replaced, or they were supposed to be replaced. Well, what if they took it to a body shop that's, you know, one of those unscrupulous body shops, and they say that they replace the airbags, but they really don't? Especially uh, if you don't turn it over to your insurance company. A lot of those people that, that don't want to turn it into their insurance company are trying to minimize costs, and they say, well, heck, I don't need airbags. Just, you know, just don't put the airbags back in it and uh, take the light bulb out of the airbag light so that, you know, people won't know. How would you like to buy a car like that? I've seen people do that. So the, the auto check report or the Carfax is, is not the whole story. A couple of things that I look for also is how many owners have, has the car had? Now that matters on some cars and others it doesn't. For example, I just sold my uh, 2005 Porsche 911. I am the seventh owner of that vehicle. Now, if I were looking at a Nissan or a Toyota or, you know, just a regular used car, I would be concerned if it had more than three or four owners, seven owners. Why, you know, why is that acceptable, uh, acceptable for a Porsche? It's because typically people who buy Porsches don't keep them very long and they flip them from one person to the other. They don't put many miles on them either, especially a Porsche 911. Now, that does not go for the Caymans and the Macans and, and some of the other Porsches. 
uh, but that but definitely goes for the 911. So when I bought that car, I mean, it had already had six owners, and I looked at the history. I had a lot of maintenance records that went with it, so I really wasn't concerned, nor was the lady that I just sold it to because she understands how, how it works with Porsches. But for everyday cars, multiple owners is not good. Uh, another thing that I look for is where did the car come from? Did it come from up north? If it did, it's very possible that it's going to have rust issues. Now, I, th I thought that the manufacturers did a whole lot of extra rust proofing on vehicles. You know, all this stuff about the Elpo dip primers and things that they dip the vehicle in. They do a pretty good job. But, you know, the problem is that most car owners that live up in uh, the northern part of the country don't really take care of the underside of their cars uh, when the weather clears up. They don't use, you know, a pressure washer. They don't put it up on a lift and try to get all the all this extra salt off of it. If you do that, then you're going to preserve it. But those who don't, that salt just sits there. It's going to eat through it. It's going to find a little open spot. All it takes is a rock chip to fly up and knock off a little uh, of the undercoating or a little bit of paint. And when that, that salt hits it, it just takes off and uh, eats away the car. It's like cancer. So location definitely matters as far as where the car came from. I would prefer that it comes from somewhere south of the Mason-Dixon line. You know, if you go across the country, if you're looking at, you know, any southeast. Another thing you have to be concerned about, however, though, are storms. You know, we have so many hurricanes and stuff like that. And if you're talking about buying something that was in Louisiana, you know, and, and they had like a hurricane about six months ago and it came from Louisiana, I'd be concerned about that because it could have been underwater or partially underwater, and that definitely will, you know, cause issues with the electronics. I always, you know, when I'm at the auction, and if I'm looking at a car and it's from Florida or uh, from Louisiana or something, I'm going to open the doors, I'm going to look under the dash, and I'm going to check the wiring and just, just make sure that it doesn't look like there's been uh, water intrusion in there. And I always do the sniff test also. You know, if a car's been wet, really wet you can smell it's just kind of a musty smell that you will smell you know that's the danger of buying a car from carvana or what's that other one vroom i mean i would never buy a used car without checking it out first i mean you really want to i mean it may have a clean carfax and or a clean auto check and you know they say that it that it's a they may rate it as a five star car or whatever but in, until you do the sniff test and look it over and have somebody check out to see if it's been painted. You know, have your mechanic check it out. You don't know. And I see these naive people that just are buying these cars and they get dropped off in their driveway. And they think, oh, it's just so simple. I bought it online and everything. It just doesn't work very good. My phone's ringing. I'll just ignore it. You know, it's kind of like a false sense of security. They've seen the advertisements. They go into the website. Oh, it just seems so slick. And, and it is. I mean, Carvana's done a good job with that. Now, they have struggled mightily. Uh, if they didn't have a billionaire backing that for the son who actually runs the thing, then they would have gone away a long time ago. The vending machine car company? Come on. Give me a break. But there are plenty of people who fall for that because they're just internet savvy. They, they like the internet. They trust, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true, right? But the real truth is that there are plenty of good dealers who acquire inventory, who are very careful 
about the inventory that they buy because they have to stand behind it. And they inspect it, they recondition them, they put them out there on the lot, and they give you the opportunity to really check the cars out. There aren't many dealers who won't let you take a car and have it inspected. I think that's a, a smart thing to do unless you're buying a certified used car, and then I don't think you have to worry about it. But still, uh, they, people will say, well, what about the money-back guarantee? Yeah, try to get Vroom or even Tesla or any of them to buy your vehicle back. It's not an easy process. They say you can bring it back for any reason. Yeah, right. You know, you ought to try to go through that. I've had several customers tell me that it was a nightmare to get them to buy the vehicle back. Plus, if you had a payoff on the previous vehicle and you financed it, you're not going to get your trade-in back and you're going to have to to make good the payoff. It it just doesn't go away like that. So, you know, something else that somebody needs to consider. I mean, I really think that buying a vehicle from a new car dealer, a used vehicle from a new car dealer is a safer bet than buying it from the original owner. Because a lot of owners, they're just normal people. And some of them take care of their vehicles and some of them don't. Some of them are good, honest people and some of them are liars. And they're going to say anything they can to get you to buy their car. So even though I am a new car dealer, I'm saying this for all new car dealers. Whether you buy one from me or not, the safest place to buy used cars from a new car dealer. Okay, that being said, you still have some homework to do. On the Carfax or the auto check, look to see what maintenance was done and if the recalls have been done. Are there outstanding recalls on the vehicle? Now, if you go to a new car dealer, they, they have to tell you. You know, they can't sell you a vehicle that has, has an outstanding recall. Joe Blow used car lot can an individual can sell you their car. They don't have the same laws that regulate their behavior that new car dealers do. Now, I can't sell you a Honda, Honda Accord that has an open recall on it. Now, it's our responsibility to call the Honda dealer or to check online to see if there are any open recalls on a 2018 Honda Accord that we just traded for. If there are, then we have to get that fixed before we sell it to another individual. If you see something like that on a Carfax report, then you have to ask the dealer, has this been done? Because if you buy the vehicle, what if it's a, a, um, a very serious recall where they won't let you drive the car, where they say, do not drive the vehicle? I mean, if it is like that, then I certainly would want to know that before I bought it. So check out the open recalls. If the dealer won't share it with you, just get the VIN number of the vehicle and call a dealer that sells that particular model. If you're, you know, let's say you're at a Chevy store and you're trying to buy a Honda, call the Honda dealer and ask them if there are any open recalls on that vehicle. If they are, insist that the dealership take care of that before you finalize the deal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to take the vehicle to the Honda store right after I bought it to get a recall done. The dealer that's selling it to me should do that, don't you think? Anyway, okay, I'm going to take my last break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I'm back. So you can learn a lot from a Carfax or a auto check, but you got to know what you're looking for. It's just one piece of the puzzle. You know, the rest of it is the test drive. You know, it's getting the, the right deal on the vehicle. Make sure you're not overpaying for it. How do you know that? Well, you call me, and I'll tell you. Or you just do your research. Go to kbb.com. You know, see what they value the vehicle at. Make sure you get the, 
equipment that's on the vehicle right. Like if it has a sunroof, it's worth more than a car that doesn't have a sunroof. You know, on a truck, if it's four-wheel drive, it's worth significantly more than if it's a two-wheel drive truck. These are things that you have to know and plug in so that you can get an accurate valuation of the vehicle. Um, you know, you, again, you may know somebody that's in the car business and they may be able to help you. At least you know one, that's me, call me, 423-552-2020 or send me a text or an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com and I'll help you out. I'll give you the answer to the questions that you're interested in. Also, we'll pull the Carfax for you, interpret it for you. Uh, please give me the information. I had a customer send me just the VIN number the other day. That's not enough. I need the equipment that's on the vehicle. I need to know basically what's the condition of the vehicle, and I definitely need the miles so that I can give you an accurate uh, evaluation. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will talk to you next time.